It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912-268-23. 9122682328 find out why I'll go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Fight TV. You know, don't forget you can watch us on Fight TV every day on demand. Uh, so check it out, fight, that's F-I-T-E dot TV. And don't forget to download our app. It's for free. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the banner. You'll see it. And speaking of Fight TV, Don't forget, all of the fights that are available on Fight TV, you can watch exclusively on BillyCBoxing.com. Whether they're free or pay-per-view, you got it on BillyCBoxing.com. Make sure you watch it uh, right there because we've got a beautiful uh, player set up for you, and uh, I think you'll uh, you'll enjoy it. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to the Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. Get yourself a copy right now while you're watching or listening to the show by visiting uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. And by the way, if you're looking to get a signed copy, you can visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on uh, the book, which you can't miss. Or, like I said, because of a screw-up by yours truly... Uh, you can uh, get yourself a discounted copy if you're any place in the United States. Uh, and if you act now before the end of this month, uh, I will send you a signed copy for 20 bucks. That includes shipping. So drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com. And I want to thank everybody that's taken advantage uh, of that offer so far. Uh, I screwed up uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, <clears throat> ordered, uh, I thought I didn't order it, you know, so I got a box of books that I always keep uh, to, to, you know, to uh, send out uh, when people need them. And uh, I had a brain lapse. Uh, I didn't think I did it. So I ordered another one. So I got two boxes. Not that, you know, it's that big of a deal. It just takes up space, man. You know, space is limited here. But uh, anyway. Uh, coming up later on the show, we got uh, a couple of emails. We got some boxing news to talk about. We got the scores from Monday Night Football and the NBA and National Hockey League, and uh, a look at the uh, 
a World Series that starts tonight. But, you know, unlike our normal routine, you know, when I get up and I write the show, uh, you know, I talk about uh, some uh, some news and we, we uh, you know, uh, single out some hot topics that we uh, make uh, as, uh, uh, as our uh, thought of the day, our main topic of the day. But today, I'm going to mix it up a little bit because my man, Johnston, uh, who has a column up on BillyCBoxing.com. You can check it out. Uh, my man, Johnston Brown, he's from the other side of the pond, uh, sent me an interesting uh, email. And basically what it is, um, is it's uh, a diary that Anthony Joshua has been posting over in England. And he's talking about the fight that's coming up this weekend, and I find it extremely interesting, considering I think Anthony Joshua is the best heavyweight in the world today and a class act and the type of individual that this sport needs more of. I'm going to uh, read this, and we're going to talk about it. But first, let me introduce my partner in crime. He's uh, at a secret, undisclosed location, boys and girls. Uh, welcome, uh, Sal Rocky. Senecola. Good morning, Sal. How you doing today? Hey. Good morning, Billy. How are you today? Oh, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. I uh, uh, wanted to uh, read this uh, uh, email, uh, which is actually uh, an excerpt from uh, Anthony Joshua's diary, and, and get your thoughts on it. And uh, let's uh, let's let's without further ado, away we go. How about we start reading this right now? Again, this is from my man Johnston. He says, uh, hey, Billy C. and Sal, AJ is currently uh, has a fight diary with our local newspaper called uh, and, and it's you know, he's calling it his fight diary. Uh, it, although it's a longish read, it's very interesting insight into AJ's thoughts about the upcoming fight with uh, Carlos to and his thoughts on when he heard the news about uh, Pulov's in injury. Here's Anthony Joshua's fight exclusive. So I, I haven't read this yet as soon as i read that first part of the email i said oh i know what i want to talk about today so uh i'm sure we'll uh, stop and and talk about his thoughts so this is right the mindset of anthony joshua uh as uh leading up to his big fight this weekend and it is a big fight sal because um as we talked about last week he had been preparing for kubat pulov and uh, all of a sudden, he's got to go in there with Carlos Takam, who's a much shorter opponent. I, I know you liked, uh, as a shorter fighter, you like fighting taller guys. But I think it is kind of difficult for a guy who's preparing for someone, uh, you know, four or five inches taller, all of a sudden to be thrown a curve, don't you think? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, whenever you're preparing for a fight and you have a fight style and a fighter in mind, you know, you... you put on the blinders and you eat, sleep and drink what you got to do to beat your opponent. And, um, I mean, he's a professional, a seasoned pro and, you know, you just have to change gears and adopt the whole, you know, just, uh, shifting to another psych psyche and, and, uh, maybe adjust your, your style. If he's a shorter fighter that might be bobbing a weaving versus a taller boxer who might be moving around the ring and, and everything else. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fix. It's fine. But when you're preparing 
psychologically for one fight and everything else, and then last minute there is a substitute or an alternative fighter. Yeah, it, it, it plays it a little bit, but like I said, he's a big boy, he's a professional, and you know, I, as a fighter, that's how you learn to buck the system and do what you got to do. You're insensitive to things around you because you know what you have to do, and you just take it as another feed of the fire, and hey, I'm going to do it anyway. So I'm interested in hearing his thoughts as he would like us, the public, to believe uh, he is actually thinking. So let's let's uh, let's get into this. I'm I'm curious too. Well, here we go. Uh, he sure, says sure. Uh, and this is Anthony Joshua's fight diary that he's got posted over in a local newspaper in England. He says uh, it's another fight week, another sold out stadium, but with the added twist of a new opponent. Kuba Pulov injured his bicep meant that Carlos Takim steps up as my mandatory challenger in Cardiff on Saturday night. I found out the news last Monday when I came into the gym and my trainer, Rob McCracken, said, before you hear it from somewhere else and so you're kept in the loop, uh, be prepared for a change of opponent because Pulev might be injured. Now, this is obviously um, more than last week, I, I think. Am I losing my mind? I, I think it was the week before. But anyway, um, he says, uh, after training... Eddie Hearn messaged me. Now, again, this is Anthony Joshua talking. He says, Pulov is out. Takim is in. Call me if you need anything. And that was it. Um, you know, let me stop right there. Uh, that's uh, that's a little cold, man. I mean, uh, you know, if you're the promoter, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, especially such a high-profile fighter like uh, like Anthony Joshua, um you know, it's kind of ballsy of Eddie Hearn to say, hey, hey by the way, uh, we got a change of an opponent. Uh, you know, Pulov's out. Takim is in. Let me know if you need anything. Ciao. You know, I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you think, man? Well, you know, that that's uh, no not beating around the bush, if you will, and just <laughs> delivering a story. Hey, guess what? Like I said, these guys are big boys. Uh, I, I, he doesn't have to put sugar on the cornflakes. It is what it is. Hey, guess what? I'm sure he went into more detail. Maybe that's a Joshua's interpretation of how it came across, but I'm sure he said, hey, you know, Pulev uh, injured his shoulder. Uh, it doesn't look good, so we had a substitute back up in mind, and we're going to get I'm, – I'm sure it was delivered a little bit more uh, presentable than just, oh, Pulev's off, this guy's in, Takam's in, get ready. That's it. But, yeah, it's interesting how he perceived it to be just – yeah, black and white. That's all it is. Well, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's exactly what he did. I mean, the promoter's laying out the money, and, you know, uh, he says, you know, this is it. You don't like it? You know, basically, that's, you know, if you don't like it, you got a problem, give me a call. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think it's a, a little crazy. But anyway, he goes on to say, uh, and this is, uh, if you're just tuning in, this is Anthony Joshua and his diary. He's got over... Uh, uh, in England, in a local newspaper, that uh, my man Johnston uh, Brown, who's got a, uh, a a column up on BillySheetBoxing.com, was kind enough to send me. And Anthony Joshua goes on to say, "We haven't," ha and this is interesting. He says, "We haven't had Pulev clones coming in for sparring. My coach trains me to be better, not to have a certain style or beat a certain opponent," which I find fascinating and and, and I, I say add a boy uh to rob mccracken for uh for doing that because uh in a sense maybe it doesn't throw off anthony joshua's game 
too much. He says, uh, okay, I've been watching Pulev for months now, uh, but now it becomes Takim. I just switched my search on YouTube from Pulev to Takim. <laughs> that's all that's changed. I got to do the same job. I got to change my approach a little bit, but I still need to box and be the best uh, of my ability, and I hope I can still show my boxing technique as well. I like to show what I'm capable of against boxers, and he does have a very different style. This is actually a tougher fight for me. You can keep punching uh, Takim, and he's still going to be in your face. Some guys uh, you hit once, twice, and then they're taking steps back, and they don't want to engage. You hit Takim, and he comes forward looking for more just so he could get inside. Eddie's a smart businessman. He knows the sport. He told Carlos's team that he was next in line in the IBF, so stay in shape uh, as this is a mandatory fight, and you could be called to become next. And Carlos is a professional, and that's exactly what he did. He's been called in, and he's got a massive opportunity. I worked hard uh, for these titles, so I don't want to have to come in and give them up. Uh, I just uh, want to defend them because I'm a proud champion. Makes perfect sense to fight to come. And the only real negative for me is that we haven't had 10 weeks buildup on him in the media. He's a proper opponent and one that's uh, been in camp knowing that this fight could happen. So he's prepared for this. If Pulov had, Pulov had not been in the picture and we'd announced that I was fighting Takim as my mandatory and number three in the rankings, that's definitely a credible defense. Takim has been fighting bigger guys for years. My last fights and camps have been all for tall guys like Vladimir Klitschko. He's six foot six. Eric Molina's six foot four. Dominic Brazil six foot seven. Pulov was six foot four and a half. Now I'm fighting a guy who is shorter at six foot one and a half and will be well under uh, six foot when he's crouched and rolling uh, his shots. It's a completely different ball game, and now I'm going to have to get ready for a guy who wants to get to work uh, on the inside and do a better job than some of his other opponents. We were talking about a fight a couple of years ago, but it, I've never sparred him. Uh, he's uh, so game. He's always uh, said he wants to fight me, so I know that he believes he can beat me. He has nothing to lose and everything to gain, and that makes him a very dangerous uh, opponent. Pulev came through the Olympic system. He won the world championship bronze, and now he has that Eastern European style. So he's a very good boxer. I was looking uh, for that being a bit of a chess match. Now we get a Mike Tyson-style uh, guy in Takim. Shorter, thicker, sets, and loves his left hook. We all face injuries and niggles, uh, but you crack on. I wonder what a niggle is. Uh, anyway, he says, uh, that's my mindset, but everyone's different. You want to be 100% uh, for a world title fight, so you have to respect uh, if he's got the injury. Obviously, he's referring to Pulov. Uh, it's scary and dangerous. Everyone is interested in what's going to happen in 2018. But if I can get past Takim or Takam, however you pronounce it, it puts a massive dent in those plans. Uh, I'm sorry. He says if I can't get past Takam, it puts a massive dent. I don't know, Sal. Uh, I, you know, I, I think uh, I, he's not saying anything different than anyone else thinks. I mean, I think the guy recognizes uh, the challenge, and, and uh, I, I like that McCracken doesn't, you know, bring in uh, uh, what he termed as Pulev clones. I think that leaves uh, 
some room to for the adjustment. But I think it, it kind of is in his head a little bit uh, by the sounds of it. Your thoughts, please. I think it is as well. It's just like I said, he been, he's been preparing solely for one type of fighter and one fighter in mind. And uh, now, you know, he's had to change gears. Uh, but as I said, he's adaptable. That's what fighters do. We learn how to live in a different terrain and different circumstances. And, you know, it, it's the boxing's not a sport for someone who has a fight and flight syndrome that takes off and runs the other way. So you, you, you bite the bullet, you put the blinders on, and you just change your gears a little bit. And I told you, it's going to be a, an, an interesting fight because this guy, as Joshua has pointed out, and carefully recognizes is in for the opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, he he definitely uh, is going to want to rise to the occasion. He's had all these weeks to prepare for it, and when he got that phone call, that's a fighter's dream. That's a that's like wow. Here I am. I did what I was supposed to do, and all of a sudden, I'm going to have the arena that I've been dreaming about my entire life. So yeah, he's got everything to gain, and he. If he rises to the occasion, he's going to make it a very interesting fight. Uh, I don't know if he's quite like Mike Tyson-like, but uh, I think you know there might be a, a, a moment or two where he's going to be moving and bobbing and weaving and flying those hands. And yeah, he's not going to mind getting hit a little bit in order to 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 if you can get hit, you're in range to hit. So I'm sure it's going to be an interesting fight. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I agree with you 100 percent. And uh, hold that thought. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll finish uh, that discussion and then some. Don't go nowhere. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And don't forget about uh, watching uh, all the fight TV events right on BillyCBoxing.com. We have an embedded player there for you. And uh, while you're at it, download our app, the Billy C app, for free on Fight TV. Uh, I'm here with uh, Sal Rocky Senecola, and we just uh, read the uh, uh, mindset, so to speak, of a diary of uh, my man, uh, Anthony Joshua. And, uh, Sal, you know, to tell you the truth, this guy is all the good things that I want in the sport of boxing. Uh, you know, when you hear his mindset here, I mean, you know, you could take that for what it's worth. But I like some of the stuff that you read between the lines, like uh, uh, McCracken, his trainer, you know, not focusing on Pulev clones, as AJ put it. I think that that's smart. You know, I, I mean, I would like to see some guys that emulate a, a style of your opponent. But on the other hand, the reasoning AJ uh, mentions in, in his diary is that, you know, he, he wants to be prepared and he's trying to, you know, get better and better. And to tell you the truth, Sal, that's what I see with this kid. Every time I watch him fight, 
I see that he's improved uh, better. You know, he's gotten better and better. He, he's improved on something. And his last fight, as we all know, was uh, could possibly be a fight of the year because of the implications it had in the heavyweight division. But he fought a guy that dominated the heavyweight division for years, almost a decade. And, you know, he got up off the canvas. He showed us so much in that fight. And, and you know, there's a lot of pressure on AJ at this point because, you know, after a performance like that, even if he has a slightly off night, there's going to be criticisms and stuff. I, I, I like his out attitude. I like Anthony Joshua, the man. And I wish more athletes would, would take note of, of the way he acts in and out of the ring because I, I think especially the sport of boxing needs that. We, you know, we're, we're so too often do we hear all the negative sides of some of these fighters you know, uh, shenanigans that take place outside the ring and people try to tell you, oh, no, you can only judge them by what goes on inside the ring. I don't <laughs> think that's true because other other athletes and other sports, you know, they all have to live up to a certain expectation because of the fact that they belong to leagues. Boxing, you're not belonging to a league, but, you know, you kind of owe it to the sport. What's your thoughts on this? You know, I... I love, you know, where you're going with this because this is it. This is the mindset. And that's why I do appreciate and respect Anthony Joshua so greatly. I mean, he is a throwback warrior and he does his due diligence. He prepares for fights. You don't hear any shuffling or rhetoric and bull and drama uh, in his personal life that uh, could reflect a stereotype or that could reflect, uh, be reflective of, of somebody that you could draw an opinion on outside of the sport of boxing. You know, so I respect that. And he lives the life of a clean champion. And, uh, you know, he conducts himself in and out of the ring like a professional. And I think that's what the sport does need. It's what any sports need. I mean, when you hear shenanigans, as you put it so well, uh, from athletes, from other sports, you know, it kind of deters and maybe takes uh, the, the, the skill level or, or the opinion of, of, of the public uh, about the individual, you know, a little bit aside. So, no, Anthony Joshua does stand for and represents a very good professional that uh, comes to do business, isn't afraid of opponents, whatever they throw in front of him, and just does what he does best, and that's fight, and he wins. And so like, how can you not respect a champion like that? I, I think he's one of the greatest right now, right now in the sport of boxing that's good for the sport of boxing. You know, I think the biggest thing I respect of Anthony Joshua has to be his approach. You know, sometimes when fighters achieve uh, the level that he has okay I mean I don't want to use the word greatness with him because he's he certainly has a lot of career left and I don't think it's fair uh, to, to put that label on him right now but as it sits you know he's clearly the best heavyweight uh, in the world today um, no one in my opinion at, at least now could come close to beating him including uh, your boy Deontay Wilder I you know I mean uh, I know Deontay would like to think he could beat him, and he certainly does, but he just doesn't have enough. And and um, with that said, a lot of times fighters, and, and you can see that with Deontay, uh, and you can see it with even guys that haven't achieved what Deontay and, of course, uh, AJ have, and they start with this attitude, and they start you know, thinking of themselves as being already there. You know, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. You know, a guy that comes to mind is Jarrell uh, Miller. 
and, and you know, who, who's talking smack, who hasn't fought anybody. You know, I don't see that with AJ. I, I see a guy that's a sponge trying to learn as much as he can. And, and that's something I don't know if you can teach, Sal. I don't know if, if that mindset is, is a taught thing or innate, if it's just something that comes with certain individuals. And to be honest with you, Sal, that's what separates a special person from an ordinary person. And no disrespect to an ordinary person because they can achieve a lot of great things. But I think the special is uh, what catapults them higher. What, what do you think? Well, you're right. I mean, Bill, here's a guy who, who uh, has the wherewithal to recognize uh, humility and to be humble and to appreciate what are the, what the opportunities that have been presented before him that are, are tangible for him to grab and to challenge and to go after and to win and to conquer. So, yeah, I love his humility. I love the idea that he does realize the magnitude and the importance of who he is and what he stands for and what he represents. So that's part of it. He respects the title he wears, and that says a lot right there. He respects the title holders of this division that's come before him. So he knows the history, and he inherited that history and that legacy when he won the world championship belt. And I think that that goes a long way in a special fighter like AJ. And uh, he conducts himself the way we would like to see most champions conduct themselves, in a humble manner, being very confident and being very capable. But guess what? Let your fist do the talking. Let your chin do the talking. Let, let, uh, let everything else. Promote yourself where you can um, and do have the confidence and do let others know that you're confident. But, you know, he's not he's not pounding his chest and and already comparing himself with Muhammad Ali or anybody else. He's his own individual. He's his own man. And I think that he's a great representation of what the heavyweight championship of the world uh, could be like. And that's uh, I, I'm, I'm very, very grateful that we have him as a boxing ambassador, if you will. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, they're talking in a chat room. And, you know, um, and by the way, if you're watching and listening, uh, the, the chat room that we respond to, I, I know we, we have a simulcast going on on Facebook, and I appreciate all the people that watch us on Facebook. I know it's convenient, but keep in mind that that stream is, is so terrible. The, the camera shot, I mean, we're very limited with Facebook Live. Uh, so if you want to see the real uh, television version, uh, you got to go over to uh, our YouTube channel because we're streaming it there or just watching on Billy C. Boxing. But anyway... In the chat room on BillyCBoxing.com. Um, you know, I, I think there's some comments being made about AJ. I, I think that um, Anthony Joshua, Sal, is going to control the heavyweight division for the next five years uh, easily. I don't see anybody rising in the ranks that are gonna give, that's going to give him uh, uh, much trouble, at least for five years. There are a couple of young, young fighters, uh, specifically from England, that may, uh, you know, uh, rock the apple cart a little bit, but uh, I, not for a while. You know, I, the only guy that everybody wants to see uh, fight Anthony Joshua is Deontay Wilder. And Deontay Wilder, there's no reason to marinate that fight. That whole process, oh, we got to marinate, that's bull. Because the truth of the matter is, is right after that fight, and let's keep, let's keep this real, Sal. These two guys can make a ton of money fighting each other. And if the fight is good, we could have a rematch where they make more money. Absolutely. So, I mean, financially, it sounds 
like the smartest move for both fighters if they uh, you know, can come to terms. The bottom line is AJ is in the driver's seat. Deontay Wilder has to go to England, and he has to fight there. Uh, Deontay Wilder's already starting. Uh, oh, he's got to come to me. I'm the real champ. I, you know, I called this a year ago. I called this more than a year ago that Deontay yeah. would start this crap. It's a joke. Uh, what do you think? Well, there you go again. I, I, I agree with you, but I will tell you this. I think we're going to see that Deontay Wilder-Anthony Joshua fight, and I think we're going to see it before July of 2018. I just feel that way. We're going to have to. And uh, I think that's going to happen. So we'll all, all the questions and all the uh, answers will be right before us in the uh, middle of uh, next year. I feel very confident about that. Um, yeah, and they are two different champions, two different styles, two different uh, insights and, and contrast in styles, contrast in personalities, contrast in characters. Uh, so it, it's going to be a good fight. Um, but I do like, and I admire and I respect, uh, you know, the Anthony Joshua approach, you know, let your fists do the talking, uh, be, be humble, be promote yourself where you can, but, uh, be a good ambassador of the sport for which you chose to make a living and which you want to be a part of and which you want to build a legacy and a career. You know, it's a great representation when you could talk well about a heavyweight champion or any champion that uh, that doesn't get into, as you say, again, the shenanigans of what the, the outside chaos of life could bring your way. You put the blinders on, you turn your cheek, and you stay straight on the path. This way you don't have to walk back and try to find your way back on a path. So, yeah, that's Jan Anthony Joshua's style. He conducts himself as a gentleman and as a champion inside and out of the ring. And that's what we need more of in the sport of boxing today. And he backs it up. The he guy, backs it uh, up. I mean, you know, he comes two, in. Two defenders right here. Yeah, and, you know? and, and, when, and you, when you look at his resume, it's there. Know. You know, I, this is this is the, the, the difference. This is where my criticism lies with Deontay Wilder. And again, I want to emphasize that I don't blame Deontay because he's just, a, uh, and I say this in a, in a positive way, he's just the fighter. He, he fights who they put in front of him. It's his team who has misled Deontay to believe that he's better than he is. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'll finish that. I got some emails to read. We got some other news to talk about. All of that coming up in two minutes. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us and uh uh you know sal uh i was uh, just talking in the uh, chat room uh about uh, of course uh uh the potential fight with aj and and wilder and and the truth of the matter is is there's no need to marinate this fight it's already uh, you know at the top i mean everybody wants to see it and like i've always said the marination is just another smoke screen that the the fans are buying into uh, and, and and justify the truth of the matter is is after the big fight 
There's always another big fight. You know, I mean, it always happens. You know, that once you get past that fight that's being defined as the fight, there's another the fight waiting to be made. So I, I totally disagree with that marination process. Uh, it, it, you know, I mean, yes, you can make the argument in Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao's case that by them waiting, uh, they made more money, but we, as the fight fans and the sport, did not get the best fight that we could have gotten because they both, even though they both aged at the same time, they both were not at their peak. And I think that to see Deontay Wilder fight uh, Anthony Joshua now, early 2018, what we would be getting is something that we haven't seen in a long, long time. Two peak heavyweights fighting each other for a unification. I mean, it really doesn't get any better than that. No, it does not, Bill. And that's what part of the excitement and anticipation would be. You know, yes, we did see uh, Manny Pacquiao and, and Floyd Mayweather, but it was maybe five years after the fact where it would have been great. And, yes, they made a ton of money. You know, but look at it this way. What if they did fight five years earlier? They would have had enough time in between to possibly have a rematch or to possibly have a trilogy. And uh, so the money then could have been probably equated what they could have made in the one big fight, which they did, might have been more dramatic and even more money in a rematch or another fight. So who knows? The bottom line is uh, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder are two pre premier heavyweights that uh, are self-proclaimed and title belt holders, uh, but they think they're the greatest in the world, and I think they do need to have a, a great showdown when worlds collide, if you will. Uh, and I think it would be a fantastic promotion. I think the, the substance is there for people and fans to bite on, and I think it will be one of the biggest fights of the year. So I, I think they really should start setting their sights and their heart and their mind to make this happen for the fans' sake. That's it. And we'll see what happens. That's I think the, 2018 is going to be that year. That's the problem with boxing. They could give the rat's ass about the fans, and, and it, it pisses me off because most of the other – you know, top professional sports do base some moves on the fans. And and we see the NFL is, is a great example. The, the <laughs> NFL is losing viewers now because they made, they they made the wrong decision uh, about certain things. And uh, speaking of the NFL, we had Monday Night Football last night in a divisional rivalry in a very important game. The Eagles went to 6-1, and one, donning wow. – uh, really the best record in football today, beating the Redskins 34-24, which now gives them a uh, big-time advantage over the Redskins, who are, who are a good team. Uh, but now they beat them twice. Their, their series against the Redskins are over. So any potential tiebreakers for that division, should the Eagles uh, you know, lose a couple of games in a row, uh, goes to the Eagles. So a uh, big win for the uh, leading, NFC East leading Eagles, 34-24 uh, in Monday Night Football. Over in the NBA, the 76ers beat the Pistons 97-86. The Heat over the Hawks 104-93. The Grizzlies beat the Rockets 98-90. Uh, the Bucks beat the Hornets 103-94. The Warriors 133-103 over the Mavericks. 30-point uh, victory there. A big win for the Warriors. Spurs 101, Raptors 97. Wizards 109, Nuggets 104. And the Suns beat the Kings 117-115. In the uh, National Hockey League, the Maple Leafs beat the Kings 3-2. And uh, what's going on with the Rangers? 4-1 they lose to the Sharks. 
I like the Sharks. Four to one over the uh, Rangers. Now the World Series. She's a starting tonight, Sal. The uh, Astros start game one at Los Angeles. They're playing the Dodgers. Uh, the fight, I mean, the uh, game starts officially at 8.09. I don't know why they have these weird starts, but uh, I guess for the intros and stuff. But uh, uh, 8.09 tonight, um, first of seven, the best of seven in the World Series, uh, going up uh, in the mound for the uh, Astros. On the mound for the Astros. Jeez, I'm struggling with the with the English language today. Dallas uh, Kuchel, and I know I pronounced his name wrong. I, I, I know it's not Kedgel, but I think it's Kuchel. Uh, going up against uh, the Dodgers ace, Clayton Kershaw. So uh, I'm looking forward to this game. Uh, I know you're still uh, uh, depressed over your boys, but uh, yeah. I'm pulling for the Dodgers. I'm officially rooting for my second favorite baseball team, and that's the Dodgers. So uh, good luck to those guys. Who do you, who are you predicting in the World Series, Sal? Well, I'll tell you. After what I saw from uh, Houston coming back uh, and fighting a tough series with the Yankees, I mean, I, I have to tell you, they've got it all. They've got the offense. They've got the defense. They've got the pitching uh, defensively, and they've got the bats to, to answer any call. And they came back, and they – oh, by the way, they do have a heart and determination because they could have been counted out. The Yankees had all the momentum in their favor uh, going over back to uh, Houston, and uh, they dropped the ball, no pun intended, and they, they couldn't capitalize on their momentum. Uh, so the Astros are fighters, and I really do think that uh, it's going to be a great series. I do predict the Astros to win. All right. Well, uh, we're against each other there. I'm picking the Dodgers, and I think the reason why I'm picking it, I know the reason why I'm picking the Dodgers. In, uh, in baseball, and we saw it with the Yankees. Um, you know, when they meet pitchers multiple times, good hitters always can catch up to the pitcher. That's you correct. Know, it, it, it's, it's when they don't face the pitcher and they don't get his tendencies and style and movement on the ball, et cetera, et cetera, is when the pitchers dominate. And with the Astros against the Yankees, even though they weren't in the same division, they did play each other uh, during the season. So the Yankees got to see their pitching, maybe not as much as they would have liked to, but you could see uh, after falling two games to none behind, the Yankees started you know, hitting their best pitching. Um, I don't think that the Astros are going to be able to do that with the Dodgers pitching. I think the Dodgers pitching is going to get off big and, uh, and, and do well uh, against the Astros. And then the other aspect is that the Dodgers – when they are playing in the AL, when they're when they're going to go in Houston and play, they have some bats to put at the DH position, as do the Astros, of course. But the other way around, when the Astros are playing the Dodgers for an NL game and their pitchers have to hit, none of the pitchers on the Astros can hit. I think that's a huge advantage for the Dodgers. I'm picking the Dodgers, man. I'm going with the what? Dodgers in a in a in a tight series, Sal. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a good series for the reasons you said. But I think at the end of the day, Dodgers are gonna be the world champs. Well, I think uh, you make a good case there. 
Council Yuri. I think it's a, it's a great case, and I think uh, it's going to be a good series. I think it's going to go to game six or seven. And uh, as I said, I, I, I just think that from what I saw with Houston, their ability to dig down, not be counted out. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. When you were describing, you know, not seeing the pitchers and not this and that, going back in my mind, analogizing to, hey, it's a fighter. Uh, having a last-minute replacement for his fight to fight another opponent. So, you know, you could do what you want to do and, and try to play the games in your own mind to make yourself comfortable and, and up for the game. And I don't think that's going to be an issue, again, because these are paid professionals. They've, bat, they've, they've batted against any and every type of style of a pitcher. So this is just going to be a new one that they're going to have to catch up to by the time they're up the bat, either the second or third time in rotation. So uh, And it only takes one round to be explosive. And, uh, and that's what I saw that Houston was capable of doing. They became explosive. It wasn't that they sustained runs over uh, the length of nine innings. I saw what they did to beat the Yankees it came all together cumulatively in one or two big innings. And, uh, you know, that's tough because when you are getting a surmounted uh, odds against you uh, and, and seeing runs score before your eyes, it takes your heart away, I guess it did to the Yankees to a degree, and they just couldn't give it back. They did the one time they came back when they were down four zip, and they did a beautiful, brilliant display of heart and soul and spirit and, and, and desire. And they came back and they won 6-4. But that wasn't there in the last game when they were down uh, for nothing again. And it was not to be repeated. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a great series. I can't wait. You know, at least we got, in my opinion, the two best teams in baseball yeah. playing each other. Yeah. You know, Hey, there what you did go. you go through a conversion? Are, are you Irish now? You got the green going on. You got your green stuff behind you. You got a green shirt on. I mean, uh, well, we what happened? Eh? I know, because we saw an Irish fighter this past weekend, eh? Yeah, well... I'm just I'm, I'm concerned, Sal. I'm concerned. Well, you know, I, I you know, green maybe not the Kelly green, but green is one of the Italian colors of the, one of the flag colors of the Italian flag. Well, Kelly green, green, at least Kelly green is a New York Jet color. So that's right. And not to be, you know, let me tell you, oh boy, that's uh, that's uh, that's that's so true. Speaking of Kelly green, I still got to get a shirt and a helmet uh, for Pat Ryan when he comes back to visit. Because after I put my foot in my mouth and chewed up that leather, uh, I had I, I to make up for it. We're going to have a New York Jet helmet and a New York Jet jersey. I believe uh, Pat Ryan's number was number 10. That's And that's going to be flying and displaying up on my, my uh, ceiling with uh, equal to uh, the Phil Simms jersey I also uh, wave proudly uh, from the New York Giants. So we'll have those two uh, waving shoulder to shoulder. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, if you know when he's going to come down and if I'm going to be there, I'll bring some Pat Ryan uh, memorabilia for you uh, to have him sign and you can keep it. I, I have tons of that stuff. But anyway, I got some emails to read. Uh, this first one's from, uh, well, we already read the great one from uh, Johnston, which was actually... Uh, the diary and 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 he's informing us in the chat room because he he popped up in the sh chat room um, that uh, he's got the second part uh, of that uh, diary that he's going to send me so uh, uh, I will uh, um, I will uh, read that one uh, tomorrow or Thursday uh, this email is from Jesse he says hey Billy C and Sal uh, I think Machado will not keep his belt for long he seems to have a chin problem uh, he has good boxing and long arms uh, but he might get beat by his next mandatory challenger like Fortuna, uh, Mesa, or Cuellar. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, he won the fight. You know, I mean, yeah, he got rocked in in uh, in that fight, but uh, uh, you know, I, 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 it was a step up uh, from Machado and and Sal. When fighters win a belt, don't don't they become better in a sense? Like, isn't their mindset different now? It's like, you know, because we hear today it's with world titles, it's so easy to win a world title, but the trick comes to keep it. You know, I mean, uh, you know, they hand out the title easily, but to keep the title is a lot tougher. But the mindset, once you become a world champion, doesn't that elevate your game? Oh, yeah. Hey, let me tell you why. You know, because you're, you're as you're a contender you're on the fringe and you're waiting and you're waiting but when you are ranked and you do get a title shot and you become the champion or whatever you know your your mind shift actually does shift you you're, you're like hey i arrived i belong here i deserve it this is me this is where i wanted to be this is what i fought for this is what i desired this is what my dreams and passion have led me to believe i could arrive at and i am here so yeah you have a confidence level you have, uh, uh, like I said, I think fighters today could often look back and remember how coveted this world championship title belt, no matter how diluted it is with all these other secondary, uh, tertiary and, and uh, belts that are out there. You know, remember, you are a world champion. And that holds a legacy and a tradition and value that I, I don't think, well, not too many people could claim and where so yeah your game steps up you fight your champion you defend your title you uh you have a confidence level and you know you belong because you worked hard and you deserve it so yeah without having an arrogance into into the mix you do step up your game and you can conduct yourself and you fight yourself like you're a champion right and it seems like uh they you know they they're better right i mean it it's not just it's like a peacock, you know. We want to strut your feathers, you know. What? Well, guess what? Here's my here's my belt. Here's my title. I'm 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 gonna be. Uh, your game can shift and your game can change. You know, you don't take it for granted because, like I said, you're only as good as your last fight. And so, when you have the momentum, the mindset, and the passion, and the heart that you know you've arrived, and the confidence level that hey, I deserve this. This is where I've been. This is what I worked for. I'm not gonna want to lose it. You do step up your game. And, you know, every fighter should fight, uh, every fight, like it's their first fight. That's what I used to say to people. That's what I say to people now when we do everything we do inside and outside the pizzeria as far as every day. It's like the, the, the old mindset. I have Vince Lombardi's picture on a wall, and I was a student of all his great speeches. And you don't win once in a while. You, win, you don't win w once in a while you, or do things right once in a while. You do things right, and you win all the time. You know, these are the kinds of things you got to get up. It's a spirit. It's a mental mindset and it's emotion. And you got to have the passion, the desire to, to not only win, but to remain a winner, to remain a champion, to remain and do what you got to do. And that's that's part of the fodder and part of the feed that people uh, should respect and conduct themselves and live by. That's all. Um, my Thank man, uh, my fan, J Jesse, goes on to say, I didn't see the Andre fight, but I saw highlights and Andre had a problem with long arms. Uh, but Andre had the speed and boxing ability. Uh, Andre versus Murata, Saluki, or Monroe Jr. next. Uh, Rosado or Lee, all winnable fights. Um, I, I just don't think he, he's busy enough. I, I think that uh, Demetrius has the ability and, of course, the skill set. 
but he doesn't let his hands go. And um, I, although I, I do, I predicted, listen, I predicted that he was going to fight Murata right off the bat. That was the deal that he cut with the WBA. That's a winnable fight for him. But, you know, as a middleweight, uh, you know, some of these other guys, I mean, he doesn't stand a chance with Rosado. You know, when you see, this is the problem with the sport. You know, because of the sanctioning bodies and because everybody's got their own rankings, you'd end up with a fight like this where you have Demetrius Andre moving up, fighting his first fight as a middleweight and immediately getting a world title shot against newly crowned uh, Murata uh, out of Japan who has already said he's coming to the States. So, uh, you know, when realistically, like you said, Sal, you know, Demetrius Andre doesn't stand a chance with the real middleweights in, in the division. No. Uh, you know, no Triple way. G, Canelo, uh, you know, David Lemieux, uh, Billy Joe Saunders even. I mean, no. all these guys would destroy him. And then to suggest that William Monroe Jr. or Gabe Rosado uh, or even Andy Lee comes back and, and they all, you know, get a shot. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's the problem with the sport. Too many sanctioning bodies dilute the pool of fighters and then you know to defend the fighter you know he's fighting the number one mandatory for that sanctioning body and that number one guy might have a computer ranking of number 27 you know so uh right. uh that's the problem with the sport today i think sal yeah well we know that it's got layers and layers of uh of uh just rhetoric and craziness and uh as i said you know uh bar our good old friends uh boom boom mancini's line there's only one world why can't there be just one champion? <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's so true. And uh, I don't know, Bill. It's a far cry from uh, what uh, what was always intended as far as the title belt being the world title of the world. You know that that, that you carry and conduct yourself. True. So, um, he his last point is Murata just does not have the boxing skills to beat the top boxers in the middleweight division. He has no defense and only throws the powerful right. He needs a better trainer. He didn't make new adjustments for Nadam. Um, can't disagree with uh, Jesse there. I, I thought that he was uh, uh, very uh, ordinary, if that. And, you know, in, in in following what you just said, if there was one champion of the one world that we live in, uh, Murata wouldn't even – I don't know. I, I don't even know no, if he, he would be a top ten. You know, I mean, no. uh, you know, if, if we took the middleweights today – you know, obviously starting with the best uh, as Triple G and then, you know, credit what credit's due, the second best being Canelo. I mean, th that's number one and number two. You could go down, uh, you know, David Lemieux has to be in I there. I put Lemieux in there. Yeah, you know, he has to be in there. Billy Joe Saunders has, has to be in there. So right off the bat, you got four. You know, does Murata even make it to the top ten? Uh, maybe, maybe at number ten. I don't know, but um, interesting. Uh, another email, this one's from uh, Joel, uh, and he says, uh, uh, Hey, Billy C., did you see Jim Joyce's debut this weekend against Ian Lewison? What would you think? I was impressed. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I think, hey, listen, the jury's still out. we got a long way to go, uh, but uh, it's always nice to see a, a, an accomplished uh, amateur uh, making his pro debut. Uh, it just, it's a natural progression. He says, do you see guys like Joe Joyce and uh, Daniel Dubois? And somebody corrected the way I'm pronouncing his name. It's not, it's not, uh, maybe it's Dubay. I, I don't know. But uh, that heavyweight from England, my man Thomas Newman hooked me up with. This This guy's good. He says, do you see guys like Joe Joyce and Daniel Dubois 
Daniel W. Um, potentially hey, Daniel have, D. Yeah, have the potential uh, same success and popularity that AJ has. You know, I think it's up to them. I, I think uh, Daniel Dubois will have the success because he's a vicious uh, fighter. But you know what? Credit what credit's due. Anthony Joshua um, has been able to rise because of his mannerisms, his attitude, um, the fact that he prides himself getting better and better, and the fact that he's fought the right fights. You know, that's why the UK carries boxing on its back uh, right now because these guys fight each other. You know, you don't have to wait. You know, the American fighters, you know, listen, people don't have to come to the United States to make a lot of money anymore. And I think that uh, Eddie Hearn moving and becoming uh, a licensed promoter in the United States and is soon to put on some shows, he's going to be the promoter, you know, definitely the top dog promoter. You know, when I see a guy like uh, Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy, and I was at the fights that they promoted this past weekend, no local fighters on the card. That gave me an indication to see that all they care about is keeping their fighters busy, which is cool, but they're not making money from ticket sales. They're cutting other deals. And uh, really, uh, to bring fans to the fight venues, to watch the fights, you got to have local kids. They're the ones that are selling the tickets. If you don't bring local kids to an event that's in their neck of the woods, that's a stupid move. And it's going to be interesting to see what, Tom, what uh, Eddie Hearns does uh, Eddie Hearn does with uh, uh, when he promotes here in the States because it seems like everything else he's doing, Sal, is right. Well, I, I agree with you, and I think you're right. And you know, it, it's just so, so amazing. You know, I, I gotta, I, I, I often refer back, and uh, however you feel or one feels, I go back to the Lou Duva playbook of what he did to promote the grassroots contenders and champions, right from Ice World and Totowa, New Jersey. I mean, that was the same thing when I was fighting with Rocky Lockridge, Bobby Chez. Uh, all these world-class fighters that, that we all, uh, we were selling tickets to our family members, our friends, and they were having our early bouts at Ice World Totoa. And then we would get the buses following us from going to Atlantic City. Uh, we would load two, three buses full of our fans from the area that would want to come down and see us. And then we'd build a following there. There was the whole progression of having a fan base multiply it and magnify uh, because of the grassroots mentality of Lou Duva and his promoting ability. You know, along with Kathy Duva, uh, Dan, Dino, the whole family. They all had a mission. They all had insight. Rubber, 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 Maybe they were all related somehow. Yeah. The, uh, the, they were all Hanna Barbera. Uh, they were. See. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Joel says. Uh, Joel's last point is. Uh, I'm curious if you could give me some more details on the card you went to at the Turning Stone Saturday. How was the crowd? The off TV fights. Did you enjoy all the bouts? Anything else of interest you want to share with us? Um, I shared all of that yesterday, Joel. You know, maybe because if you, if you would have showed up on the show on time you would have heard it all but if you go back in uh replay uh yesterday's show you, you'll hear it I, I did get 
uh, extensive about the Turning Stone uh, event and all the fights uh, that were on that card. Um, it was a decent uh, event, very long night. Uh, remember, the, the, door, the first fight came on at, at 5.45 p.m., and, you know, it was HBO after dark, you know. So, so when HBO, uh, uh, they did show the replay of, of the uh, Burnett uh, fight at 10 p.m., but the, uh, or maybe 10.30, I, yeah, it was around 10 o'clock. And then 11 p.m. when the broadcast started after dark, they came on with the uh, co-main event, which was Demetrius Andre. So it was a long-ass night uh, for me. But my biggest hang-up was what we just said. You know, no local kids on the card at all. And uh, all with the exception of the Machado fight, um, every single red corner fighter won which were Golden Boy fighters, except for Machado. Machado upset the apple cart and uh, was the only blue uh, corner winner uh, for that night, which, uh, you know, I hate that, Sal. I, I hate when, you know, you got uh, the A-sides are all being, that's called a showcase card, you know. I, I, like, to, I like to see, ch you know, challenging uh, fights. At least, at least three should have been challenged. I'll tell you, the one that was uh, challenging the Roach fight uh, he was uh, in there with uh, a guy that he was supposed to just beat, and this uh, this kid uh, uh, took him uh, took him the distance, and you could see it on his face. But all in all, it was a great time. It always is at the Turning Stone, man. It always is. That's, that's great. I have one question, Bill. Did you get time to visit the casino? You know, I didn't gamble. I I didn't. Uh, I I mean, I was at the casino, of course, but you know, I didn't gamble. I'm funny about gambling these days i mean i'm a gambler there's no question about it but i like to be in an environment when i'm favoring myself obviously and i mm -hmm. like the fight crowd i play crap so i like the fight crowd to be at the tables unfortunately by the time i got out of the fight yeah. i was ready for bed man i was tired I, there was no way i was going to go and hang out at the table at, at two in the morning uh especially when i had to leave so early uh, to get some other things done and, and be ready uh, on Sunday. But uh, anyway, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I got some uh, news I want to talk about, or at least uh, some things to discuss. I don't know if it's news news, but interesting facts. So don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, as promised, uh, I wanted to talk about some other stuff. You know, this weekend, um, my man uh, AJ is uh, fighting. And on the undercard, we have a, we have a pretty good undercard uh, coming at us uh, from uh, Cardiff on Saturday. And one of the fights that uh, is on that card, Sal, is uh, Dillian White. 
another guy that Deontay Wilder seems to be ducking or trying to avoid, or maybe they just think it's too risky. Uh, and Dillian White is no, you know, I mean, he's no world beater, um, but uh, but it is a guy that Anthony Joshua has already fought and won. He faces Robert Helena. Now, Robert Helena says, I will definitely knock out White. He says, uh, and I quote, I will oh. definitely win by knockout. Uh, he will definitely fall. I know it's going to be a tough fight, but it will be a tough fight for him more than it will be for me. Uh, and it, he will be, get uh, another loss on his record. That's it. I hope he stands and fights with me and doesn't run as re his reputation su suggests. I absolutely have no worries about ring rust because I'm always, always in training. I feel I have 10 years left in boxing, and during this time I will definitely become the world heavyweight champion, I have no doubts. You know, Sal, I'm glad he's so positive. Um, but when you make a statement like that, there's a fine line between showing positivity and then becoming a, a David Hay, where you, you, you make all these shallow uh, uh, promises. And should he not knock out White, even if he wins by a decision, people are going to be critical of his... Uh, uh, you know, boast that he's going to knock out White. You know, uh, people are going to throw in my face, well, Muhammad Ali did it all the time. But the difference is Muhammad Ali backed it up. You know, I, I'm just a strong believer. I don't have anything against smack talk. I like it. Except I want the fighters to at least try. If Helenas goes in there and tries for the knockout and doesn't get it, I respect him. But if he goes in there and he himself is the runner, then it's all shallow. It becomes David Hay. Your thoughts, Rocky Senecola. Well, you're absolutely right. And what we do is we can look back at the benchmark. I mean, Muhammad Ali was his best promoter. I mean, he proclaimed that what he was going to do, what round he was going to do it, how he was going to do it. And uh, Muhammad Ali, during the time of boxing, when boxing needed it, he was not only a great fighter, but he was a promoter, a great promoter. And who did he promote best himself? And the antics and the and the keep himself in the limelight, and just talking about his opponents. But as you said, Billy C., he did back it up. And uh, he did it in, in, in such a creative, such a entertaining way, what he would talk about his opponent. You, you, you were baited. You, the public was baited. Like, I can't believe he said that. What's going to come out of his mouth next? You know, we don't have that in the game today. It's, 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 it's more nasty or arrogance and and uh, it's not the same type of promoting that Muhammad Ali was known for and uh, brought to the game of boxing. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it, it, it's 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 a different world today, period. But, uh, you know, these fights should be good. And we'll we're going to let the let the let the fist always answer to what the bell will ring. You know, I, I say this all the time. Muhammad Ali did it. As uh, you know, as a promotion, there's no. I agree with you 100%. He was a self promoter and one of the best. But like I said, he backed it up. You know, yes, these guys that 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 do this now. You know, the copycats. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. You know, and 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 and, and as a matter of fact, I I have some of that right now that I'm gonna read. Um, but you know, I, it's you can't. As far as I'm concerned, you can't have respect for a fighter that says that he's going to go in and knock somebody's head off and then the bell rings and he doesn't even come close to even landing a solid shot because all he wants to do is survive 12 rounds. And, and people could say, well, you know, uh, you know, he just wants to survive. He wants to go to distance. Well, then he should he picked the wrong sport. You know, uh, the, the, the problem today is that 
there's a lot of young boxing fans that have been brainwashed and they accept this. And this is what scares me, Sal, for the future of the sport of professional boxing. You know, it's like in football. You know, I'm a football fan. And they talk about, oh, well, you know, you're not allowed. You know, they're calling flags. You know, you, 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 you tackle a quarterback and, and you're getting flagged. So you make a, what would have been a sack a few years ago. Now you're getting penalized and, and the, the offensive team is getting 15 yards. Uh, they want to do away with kickoffs because they're too dangerous. You know, you're not allowed to tackle, hit a receiver. Uh. I mean, if Ronnie Lott played in today's uh, game of football, he wouldn't have been the, the star that he was uh, in his era. Well, the same as in boxing. You know, uh, uh, there was rumor. I did a show a couple of years. It was probably almost two years ago where they have a new form of boxing where you don't hit above the chest. It's all body blows, you know, and you, you get points. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, it all starts. What did I say, Sal? And you agree with me. It all starts with these participation trophies. We start training our kids at eight years old. Hey, little Johnny, nobody wins. We're all winners here. Just have fun. Bullshit. You know, that's not the case. You know, you can't. There has to be a winner and there has to be a loser. There's nothing wrong with losing. You improve to win. And, and that's what teaches integrity. That's why... The kids of today are so coddled, and then they're tossed out into the world, and they realize, hey, my mom said I was the best, but really my boss says I'm fired. You know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> Isn't that, that true? I love that. Isn't that true? That's a great analogy. My mom says I'm the best, but my boss said I was just fired. Right. Billy, that was, that was one of the funniest things I've heard you say <laughs> in a long time. Oh, come on. Uh, I say funny things. What do you mean in a long you're time? You're a funny guy. Yeah, hey, well, what, you find me funny? Am I amusing <laughs> to you? You know, <laughs> entertaining. Yeah. What is so funny about me? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let me tell you something. You are 100% right there. And, uh, man, let's 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 call a spade a spade and understand something, boys and girls, children of all ages. I borrowed that from you, Bill. Um, that's why athletes, champions can be looked at as elitist. Not everyone could do this. Not everybody's supposed to do this. Those participation trophies you got in Little League uh, football and baseball, that's all in good. It gave you a little head start. You got a little confidence. Hey, let me go to second grade, third grade, fourth grade and see how it's fair in high school sports. But guess what? When you're a paid professional, you take on certain things in a lifestyle of a professional athlete, the inherent risks and potential damage, potential – Hey, I, I, I make no bones about it. When my father and I were discussing about a career in boxing, I mean, what he had as a benchmark for me to look at was nobody dying of pugilistic dementia and how the body shuts down and how you lose things. Over. But he, he would look at, you know, the, the Rocky Gracianos, the Jake LaMotta, and all the other great warriors. And, you know, being comedians, maybe a little considered a little punchy here and there, just with the rolling with the tide and everything else. And, you know, but he said, Sal. You don't become a fighter, and you're going to fight and become champ. You have certain risk. You can get killed in a ring. You could do this. But he didn't say, hey, we're going we're gonna to make it all good and easy for you. No. These are the decisions that mature 
minds have to make. If they want to become an athlete, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, whether it's professional boxing, hockey, or anything else, there are certain inherent risks with those sports that lead to injury, may lead to a short career, may lead to a lifestyle change in the future, but also may lead to great, glamorous uh, future of, of wealth and fortune and fame. But those are the prize. What did I always say, Billy? The prize has to be worth the price. If it's worth the price to pay to get to the prize, some athletes will say, hey, I can do it. I want to do it. I'm going to live and die by it. But other fighters or other athletes say, you know what? I've had enough or I don't want it. So don't tell me they got to lower the, the standards and the benchmark and the rules of the game and, and not hit in the head and not do this. These are the inherent risks of the sport. If you decide to go through it and to be a football player, you know you're going to take some knocks. You know you're going to break some bones. You know you're going to do this. You're the same thing in boxing. You're going to get hit. You're going to get. You, you could be scarred for life. You could die. Those are the risks. No one's telling you you got to do it. You got to force it. So don't lower the benchmark and say, okay, we want everybody just to have a Band-Aid on their way out of the office. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I listen, I, I agree with you, and, and this is a great – Professional sports are not – it's not for everybody. This That's is, why these athletes get paid what they get paid. This, this, is, this is a great segue because uh, the official, official uh, <sighs> press conference for David Lemieux and Billy yeah. Joe Saunders kicked off yesterday – um, and uh, the fight uh, will be held December 16th uh, at the Place Bell uh, in Quebec. It's a, a new uh, uh, um, uh, venue, and it will be on HBO, which is cool. So uh, uh, we knew that we were going to get some uh, crap slung back and forth, specific, specifically coming from Billy Joe Saunders, and Billy Joe Saunders uh, said this, David's going to eat some. And he's gonna beg, I, I, you know, I do, I do give him credit because it's kind of comical. As long as they don't let his son, uh, you know, kick uh, uh, David shit. Lemieux in, in the, you know what, or David Lemieux should wear a, 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 a you know, like a, like a, uh, you know, medieval knights costume uh, at, a the, at the way, belt. yeah, cha- in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in, at the way. But uh, Billy Joe Saunders says David's gonna eat some, and he's gonna beg me. To finish him off, you know the, the picture. Boy, fighting words. <laughs> the, the, picture, the picture of David Lemieux saying, "Billy Joe, please knock me out. I, I, I you know, could, please could, I can't could, take this could, beating any longer. Yeah, I can't take it anymore. Could you just finish me off, please? End it, just end you know, it. I, I mean, I, I just you know I can't picture that in my mind. But anyway, he says uh, Lemieux shows a lot of heart when he comes to fight. But the real truth is, I'm too slick. I'm too good for him." I'm in boxing to win and defend my belt all over the world. Lemieux is my tester for the winner of Canelo and Triple G. Uh, because this fight's already, the winner of this fight will already be fighting uh, Triple G, uh, Canelo 2 winner. David Lemieux, he says, I think you're in for a surprise. Uh, I will be at my best and take uh, the title from you. If the fight demands me chasing you around, I'm going to chase you. If the fight demands me to go to toe-to-toe, I will. On December 16th, I promise that I won't leave the place bell without your belt. I'm extremely excited. <laughs> I like Let's that. get it on. I like it. I like, I like it. it. I, I, you know, and, and you know thing, what? He doesn't say anything. It's not. No. I like it. He just said, hey, guess what? I'm coming to do what I want to do. I'm going to take your belt. Exactly. And, you know, the funny thing is, Billy Joe Saunders, I think, has a lot to gain in this fight. 
even if he loses this fight, if he fights, if if this is a great fight, Sal, and and Billy Joe Saunders loses, uh, he gets stopped or something. I don't think his value goes down. I think it goes up. I think the belt doesn't really do much for Saunders unless he beats Lemieux. If he beats Lemieux, uh, credit has to be given, don't you think? Well, I think so. And and you know, let's let's face it. Billy Joe Saunders has, even though he's a title holder, he's not very well known by the world fans of boxing. I, I mean, they haven't seen him up close and personal. We don't know too much about this guy. So, you know, this is a great opportunity for him to show the world of what he could do and what he's about and where he came from and his life story up close and personal. Let's see it. We'll be curious enough. But as you said, if he just looks respectable and does a good job in a performance, I'm sure they're going to have to have a rematch clause in there somewhere, no? What do you think? Um, they they may. I would I would they think may. I would think, I think that Billy smart. every champion that I've ever worked with, I've always made sure that they've had a rematch clause. But, you know, the deal was already cut for the winner of this fight to fight the winner of Triple G Canelo too. So maybe so not. Maybe after. Maybe not. Yeah, or, yeah, good point. Maybe good after point. Floyd. That could be, that could, hey, you know, in the next coming year, you know, it inadvertently, uh, unless you have the title uh, fight against one of the champions or the winner of that fight. I mean, that's why contracts are made. That's why contracts could be broken. But, uh, you know, it's it should be spelt out one way or the other. And I'm sure Billy Joe Saunders' camp would have been smart enough to say, hey, look, we're going to have a rematch, uh, uh, if not before, but after the fight uh, where, where uh, Canelo Alvarez and, uh, yeah, I think it's somewhere in there. It has to be. Um, speaking of uh, title belts. Title belts. Um, Nico Hernandez is a uh, young uh, fighter. Um, he's uh, in the flyweight division, and he shows a lot of promise. And, and he's one of these fighters that, you know, you should be keeping an eye on. Um, and right now he's 3-0 uh, and o with two knockouts, all of his fights being six-rounders, which is in impressive in its own right. And, yes, he had an extensive amateur career. But it was announced yesterday that he will be uh, fighting on December 2nd for his first world title. Now, granted, it's not a major organization. It's just one of these uh, BS uh, sanctioning bodies, the IBA, or maybe it's UBU or IBME, and I don't know. But uh, uh, it's for their vacant, the IBA stands for International Boxing Association, the vacant IBA world flyweight title. Um, you know something? No disrespect to, to Nico Hernandez because I certainly like the fighter and I don't have any negative thing to say. However, a 3-0 and fighter fighting for a world title, I don't care that it's an alphabet title with virtually no value. This is the problem. And we were joking about it in the chat room about uh, participation. Everybody, get, I was saying uh, over, uh, well, actually, I might have been saying it on the Facebook feed. Uh, everybody, you know, gets uh, uh, a championship belt, uh, participation trophy. Now everybody gets a belt. Uh, to me, this is this is what's wrong with boxing. I mean, why can't this kid rise to the top and fight for a real title? Why do they even have to promote that he's fighting for his first world title? What's your thoughts, Sal? Well, again, you know, I, I thought I thought it was bizarre. You know, like I said, I'll often use as benchmark. You know, the 76 Olympic team, 
those gold medalists that had the stellar team for the United States of America. I mean, they were great, and they had a good pathway to get a world title shot. And who was the first out of that school or that that uh, class? Was Leon Spinks? I think in the seventh, seventh, uh, sec, seventh professional fight, he fought Muhammad Ali for the heavyweight championship of the world. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was either seventh or eighth. I think it was the seventh fight. And um, you know, we we I was shocked. I said, "Here's a guy where in tradition you see a fighter with." 30, 40, 50, 60 fights getting a title shot for the first time. Here's a guy, seven professional fights. He's getting a title shot. All right, he had his fast pathway, Olympic gold medalist, everything else. But, uh, yeah, for three fights to get some kind of a participation belt or to- trophy, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit much. That's a little early, and I think it, it, it does uh, slap in the face a lot of the other fighters that uh, have gone before. Well, and, it, uh, it, it it dilutes it. You see, it dilutes you know, it. it dilutes it's the it's value. good old it brings it, it down. It's good old supply and demand. You're yeah. a businessman. You know. You know. If uh-huh. if there's only you know if there's a hundred pizzeria Italian restaurants in St. Simon's, you know uh, the 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 simple fact that uh, you know the value of Sal's pizza is still going to be high because it's the best, but. There's a lot of other choices. If there's only one pizzeria in town, then the value of that pie goes skyrocketing. It's like that with anything. It's called supply and demand. It's one of the first things you learn in business if you go to, if you choose to go to school. The truth of the matter is, is the more of learned. something, uh, the less value it is. Look at sports memorabilia. You know that's why uh, trading cards, baseball, football, whatever, don't have the same value today as they used to in, in the eighties, in the eighties people, I have a, a rookie Walter Payton card. It was worth uh, 900 bucks at one point. Now it's not because there's, there's more, there's a lot of them out there. They've been saved. You know, it's called supply and demand. It's the same thing with belts. How do you pound your chest and say you're a world champion when, you know, we, we do the math. If you just take the four top sanctioning bodies, and I believe the IBO should be in the mix, but I'm not even going to add them. If you just take the four top sanctioning bodies, with the way the world title uh, structure is set today, each sanctioning body, let's say for the heavyweight division, conceivably could have five champions in each sanctioning body. You have your super champion. You have your regular old champion. You have your interim champion. You have your champion of Murtai. And you have your champion in recess. There could be conceivably five guys all in one sanctioning body claiming they're the world heavyweight champ. And multiply that by four, and you got 20 guys walking on this earth that can all be claiming that they're a world heavyweight champ. And that's not even adding in the other alphabet titles like the IBA and, and all the rest. So, you know, the value of it goes down and we talked about this yesterday sal the funny thing is is that a fighter wins a title he brags that he's got the title until something else comes up then he gets rid of the title and acts like he didn't need the title a great example of that was demetrius andrade demetrius andrade uh you know gave up his wba title he fights at middleweight and in return he's going to get a shot at a middleweight title that it's just they're trinkets and unfortunately the young boxing fan today thinks that if you have a title around your waist, that means you're a good fighter. And I got news for you, Sal. The network execs 
that make the decisions to put the fights on TV are the same idiots that think if you have a belt, that means you're good. If you have an undefeated record, that means you're good. You know, that's false. It does not mean you're good. It means it might look good on paper, but it doesn't mean you're good. Bring back the guys who fought their way up and became great fighters with losses and got better and better after their losses and, and, and struggled. Back in the day, you would have to have 40 professional fights before you were even given a chance at a world title. Now you got a guy that's 3-0 and getting a chance at a world title? Come on, man. No, like you said, you know, and I refer back, and uh, I might have mentioned it once or twice. You remember the old movie with Peter Falk, Falk and uh, Alan Alda called The In-Laws? Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Peter Falk was was uh, a CIA agent, and uh, and he had this uh, mission. He had to, you know, somebody stole the minting uh, uh dollars uh, whatever printing blocks and it was one of the south american uh, dictators whatever and so they travel they go there and alan arkin's just a dentist a future in-law of these guys it was funny because this guy the concept was he wanted to take the 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 mint and the, and the, the the printing blocks and just dilute the world economy with with american dollars and and bring the value of the dollar down well, that's what happened with the world title belts. I mean, you look at it. They created so many titles and so many belts that it brought the value that belt down. I mean, the world title belt was such a coveted, such a such a I mean, you 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 you're you wanted that. It was something wow, I'm gonna that's 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 that gold ring and that merry go round or Ferris no, merry go round. You know, whatever it was. When I made my comeback and I told you and John that I wanted a title belt. <laughs> you, I mean, you might as well slap me in the face. He said, "Sal, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean the same thing that it did when you fought 25 years ago." I said, "What do you mean?" <laughs> and now I see what you meant. No, I know, and, and you know, make making me remember that movie. Remember, yeah, uh, it was a, Alan no, Arkin. That was the whole concept. Well, Alan, the dollar saturation would bring the value of the American dollar down. That's what they wanted. Well, that's what happened with the title belts. Go ahead. Alan Arkin, remember at one point he didn't believe that Peter Falk was really a CIA agent? And then at the end, it, it's like, you know, but uh, anyway. Uh, he I, thought I, he was a Lulu. Yeah, he thought he was crazy. Alan Arkin was funny. He's funny. But, uh, they were both funny. They made a great team. They really did. Hey, nothing, nothing was better than Columbo. I, I, I thought that uh, Peter okay. Falk was great in Columbo, and uh, I certainly miss him and, and that show. But, hey, hold that thought. <laughs> well, you can hold that thought. But uh, we're going to take a short break. When I come back, uh, I, I got some more things to talk about. And something that I experienced myself. I want to hear what you want to talk about. Well, I, there's something I experienced myself in the last uh, boxing event that I promoted a couple of years ago in Florida. So uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, we will be back uh, uh, in, you know, two minutes. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, I'm here with uh, my man, uh, Sal 
Rocky Senecola and uh, uh, you you know we're talking about Colombo and you know you know Sal um, you know I just saw that picture that you uh, put in the camera shot and you know it reminds me you know my my wife had a picture like would would you mind very much if 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 I just took a look at that picture one more time i mean would you mind it very much if 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 i if i could feel that picture because i it just it reminds me so much of of, that's a great impression look at look at i i uh i i lost a few pounds since that picture but you know i i see those guys but who's that gorgeous girl in that picture sal jeez that she, gorgeous uh, girl is my girlfriend. Oh, oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> you know, I look like She's Groucho. The, and she is also the queen of penny slot machines, by the way. I, I look like Groucho friggin' Marx in that picture. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, I, I just wanted to share with uh, with everybody uh, uh, something else that's uh, in the uh, uh, in the news uh, today uh, that um, I just lost. <laughs> what did I do with it? Uh, here it is. Uh, Haseem Rachman, which, I I, you know, Haseem Rachman, uh, I, you know, I never thought much of him as a fighter, I, but his son is, is fighting now, and he's a heavyweight. Right now he's 2-0 and with two knockouts. And, um, you know, apparently Haseem Rachman Jr. was supposed to fight uh, in uh, uh, last week, and he was scheduled to fight a guy named uh, uh, Joseph Coates. And Coates... Uh, uh, got into the ring and and decided he didn't want to fight and left the ring. <laughs> I read and, that. Uh, and I and Rockman Rockman got all pissed off. He's actually pushing the ref around. I mean, he he's lucky. Um, but um, but the uh, uh, you know North Carolina Boxing Commission, where the fight was being held, they suspended uh, Joseph Coates uh, indefinitely. And and um, you know Rockman improved to three and zero. Oh. He he gets a technical. Uh, decision win on that and as a matter of fact uh, uh, Joseph Coates did decide that he was going to come out again and left again you know so he didn't want to fight um, I, I, I got to share an experience because I promoted a show in uh, West Palm Beach uh, I was a co-promoter in it that we uh, aired on LDL TV uh, two years ago and uh, we had a heavyweight fight uh, on that card and uh, the same exact thing happened um, during the uh, pre-fight, you know, weigh-in, we broadcast the weigh-ins and stuff like that. And we had this guy, I forget his name, who was talking all kinds of smack about fighting this other heavyweight. And, uh, and, and this guy didn't have all his faculties together. I mean, we had to hold his hand to get all the medicals. And it was a real pain in the ass. But anyway, uh, we have him on film on LDL TV that, uh, uh, you know, he's talking all kinds of smack. He's going to shock everybody. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. When it came fight night, he refused to come out of the dressing room. He was scared to death. Wouldn't come out of the dressing room. And the, the uh, referee did the same exact thing. We brought the fighter out. We uh, raised his hand. He won. He got the win on his record. But he was just as uh, pissed off as Rockman Jr. because they wanted to perform. People traveled and spent money to see the, the kid perform. The worst part about what happened with us in, in West Palm was he came out afterwards and was like, hold me back, hold me back. I want this guy now. I want this guy now. And it was such a joke. You know, if you're a fighter, and one of the problems is is that promoters have a tendency to, to pick a fight. You know, they're, right, they're getting the right guy, and maybe the guy never wanted to fight altogether. And, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, is if somebody talked him into it and he got cold feet, 
you know, that's step number one. Make sure you got a guy that exactly, you know, that wants to fight the fight for real, you know. But uh, uh, Rockland Jr. improves to 3-0 and with uh, two knockouts without even uh, stepping foot in the ring, Sal. So uh, I found that uh, wow. extremely funny. Uh, but uh, Yeah, funny, comical, but I'll tell you what, that other guy should be banned. I mean, he shouldn't be allowed. I mean, that, that, that's that's – I mean, that's the whole thing, your credibility. You know, you're going to do what you say, say what you do. You show up to fight, you fight. You, you don't you don't run out of the ring. I mean, it's, it's uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. Where's the integrity of the game? Well, we lost Sport. that. We lost that, but uh, uh, that's for sure. But uh, anyway, um, you know, we, we got a pretty tough trivia question going on, and if you can uh, get this correctly, you'll win uh, your very own – a uh, copy of the title bout championship computer game, the same one uh, that Sal refers to as uh, Alex's boxing machine, his magic boxing right. machine, but it's actually a game. But uh, uh, And speaking of Alex, we will be doing the uh, uh, Blast from the Past tomorrow as per request uh, by one of you uh, on Edwin Valerio. So make sure you tune in to tomorrow's show. But uh, the trivia question today is a tough one and I've been getting a lot of answers and and everybody seems to be I've had three people in the last 24 hours and then another one a couple of days ago when we did this the first time uh all answer the same answer which I'm going to tell you right now is not correct the question is which boxer was a longtime sparring partner for one heavyweight champion knocked him down in sparring and then had a victory over another one-time heavyweight champ the most common answer i've gotten i've gotten a lot of different answers but the most common answer i've gotten was greg page that is not correct boys and girls i'm going to give you a bunch of hints and if you're the first one to email me billy at talking boxing that's t-a-l-k-i-n-b-o-x-i-n-g.com you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Now, remember, if you want to get your own copy and you don't want to answer this question right, just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the banner and get yourself a copy. Um, so which longtime sparring partner for one heavyweight champ knocked him down in sparring and had a victory over another one-time heavyweight champ? Um, the hints are as follows. Both of these heavyweight champs, the one that got knocked down in sparring and the, another, the other one that lost were both very well-known heavyweight champions. The one that got knocked down in sparring is very well-known to this day. The one that he beat in a uh, boxing match is almost forgotten today, um, which is sad. And I will say this, he did fight uh, in other divisions as well, not just uh, the heavyweight division. But the, the heavyweight champion that was knocked down in sparring only fought in the heavyweight division and the big hint is both of these guys were world champions and yesterday i said prior to 1970 uh which would uh you know eliminate greg page to begin with uh and leon spinks and larry holmes how about prior to 1965 that's a wow. big hint so i mean uh, you know come on i, I think you're going to get it now uh, prior to 1965, if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin Boxing T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, you'll win the prize. Hey, special shout out, uh, Frank Tate just uh, came into the uh, 
uh, Facebook chat room, uh, uh, former uh, uh, fantastic fighter. So uh, the Tate brothers, uh, uh, we love uh, those guys. I'm glad to see that he's uh, watching the show. But uh, speaking of the show, uh, our uh, this day. How about this? On this day in uh, boxing history, October 24th in 1916, Battle in Levinsky wins a 12-round decision over Jack Dillon to win the world light heavyweight title that took place in Boston. On this day in 1998, Sven Akti wins a 12-round decision over Charles Brewer to win the IBF super middleweight title, and that took place in Dusseldorf, Germany. On this day in 1898, Tommy Ryan wins a 20-round decision over Jack Bonner to win the vacant world middleweight title, and that took place in Brooklyn, New York, on this day in 1898. On this day in 1979, Arub Kali wins a 15-round decision over Masihi Kudo to win the WBA junior middleweight title that took place in Japan. On this day in 1992, Tony Tiger Lopez, you know, we got to have him back on the show. He was a great interview. Uh, knocks out Joey Gamash in the 11th round to win the WBA world lightweight title, and that took place in Portland, Maine. Uh, on this day in 92. On this day in 1927, Tony Canzanori wins a 15-round decision over Johnny Dundee to win the vacant World Featherweight title at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And finally, on this day, October 24th, in 1939, one of the best ever, Henry Armstrong, wins a 10-round decision over Jimmy Garrison to retain his World Welterweight title and that took place in Los Angeles, California, on this day in 1939. Hey, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, and children of all ages, that concludes our show for today. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.